Hey, welcome to Jenny and Paul Sellout. We're on episode number five. And uh, this is Paul giving you the introduction here, letting you know that today's topic is Jack White, the man behind such bands as The White Stripes, The Dead Weather, and uh, The Raconteurs. And it turns out that Jenny has very strong feelings, both pro and con, about Mr. White. Uh, A fact I didn't know until I decided to bring up the topic here for today's podcast. But to get there, we are first going to consider Steve Gutenberg, the career of the great actor Steve Gutenberg, short circuit movies, the Police Academy movies, which leads us to Bobcat Goldthwait. Eventually, we get to the insane clown posse, which of course leads us to Jack White. And, and we also give a little survey of the American Picker. So it's a jam-packed show, which uh, leads to quite a bit of discussion about authenticity. You're going to enjoy it, so, so stay tuned. Welcome, Jenny. Hey, Paul. Okay, we're on to number five now. It's exciting. We're halfway to double digits. That's right. Number five is alive. <laughs> it's my favorite robot. It's the uh, Steve Gutenberg was in that, wasn't he? He was the in, in the first one. He he is missing in the second one. Ah, because he became he has, too big for his britches. He moved to Oregon. In the that's the that's the cover story. Well, that's the cover story. I haven't seen it in so many years. Um, the second one is is a really good one, but it's with um man, I can't think of his name. Um, but it's clearly it, like when I was a kid and I saw it, I thought it was New York. And they definitely try and imply it's New York. Um, and they use on Broadway is like the key denouement of that of that movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's clearly Toronto. Like if you watch it now, you're like, oh, this is just Canada. <laughs> just Canada. Yeah. I felt cheated. It's sort of like, it's just sex. It's just Canada. <laughs> it's just Canada. It's just Canada. Oh, the goot. Uh, I, I wasted too many hours uh considering the great career of, of Steve Gutenberg because he was such the the big star there in the 80s he was a, he was a bankable box office draw and then poof it's like a couple three men and a babies and uh, he's gone yeah well I when I was uh coming back from Turkey on Turkish Airlines they had every single uh police academy film like up to like 13 or something yeah and he quit somewhere around he, three he did, right but yeah. yeah I mean Mahoney is the key to that series in my opinion uh but I think it was interesting to me that that would be like the whole series you would want to put on a plane in 2011 <laughs> or I guess it was 2012 so yeah that's and does it even cut across cultures that well I don't know. Or like, yeah, the idea that you're like, everyone will want to watch this. Yeah. And, and Michael, is it Michael Watson? Is he the guy, the guy makes the, yeah, you know, the, the mouth, mouth noises? noises. Is, is, how long does he stick around? I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. Because, you know, uh, well, you, uh, you with me saw, we, we you saw Bobcat Goldthwait yes. do his stand up last year here in uh, Chicago. Uh, and he, he definitely, uh, he's going to have to think up a new hour for his next stand up tour, but, you know, spends a lot of time sort of. You know, basically saying, yeah, I'm the police academy guy. And, you know, nah, no, nah, I, I don't do that anymore. You know, he is playing, I just saw this the other day, he's playing Bonnaroo. <laughs> well, you know, he opened for Nirvana. Uh, yeah. On I Nirvana's just, last tour. I mean, really high people in the middle of like a 120 degree. Um, yeah. Kentucky doesn't seem like the Bobcat Goldthwait. 
place and for me. I'm sure he just needs the money. And oh, no. I mean, I get why he's doing it. That's oh, yeah. not the part I'm confused about. Why he got about. booked? Yeah, I don't know. I just don't get why they are like, you know who we're going to put two hours on stage? It's it's also like two hours. Wow. Because he's only got an hour, really. He's got a good hour. It's a Q&A. <laughs> well, he did a Reddit uh, Q&A. Really? Yeah, recently. It was pretty good. A lot of the same questions and answers that he's been giving on the podcast circuit and on in his stand up. But he, you know, he's a really he's a pretty upfront straightforward kind of guy. So, he's kind of fun for a Q&A cuz he will really tell you what he thinks. I mean, he's but he's re- at this point he's reasonably humble as well cuz he knows he's Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> like right. like he's not under any denial as to what his career arc is even if it if it's he's true no that Dustin he's no Dustin Diamond. In, he's no Dustin Diamond. That's Who true. I think really thinks he's awesome. Yeah, I don't even I can't even quite get there cuz Saved by the Bell is a little bit Outside of my ken, it, it was a little old, you know, it was a little creepy for me to be watching uh, <laughs> Saved by the Bell. I mean, certainly it was the kind of thing that if you uh, if you poked your head into enough dorm rooms when I was in college, somebody would be watching Saved by the sure. Bell and they would be having some deep conversation over uh, which girl was hotter. Uh, but nevertheless, and then they go, well, you know, but of course, when, when, as soon as they turn 18, and you're like, well, they are 18. Maybe maybe Elizabeth Berkeley is the new Kip Winger. We've now discussed her on, on two episodes. <laughs> I have no Elizabeth uh, Berkeley, trivia. Berkeley trivia. No, none, none whatsoever. Do we? We two episodes. This episode and a different episode. Yeah, no, we we uh, came up in the uh, in in number three. Yes. Uh, okay, okay, that's two. I guess. Okay. <laughs> one like, plus two previously one ones is two. All right, I can't. Uh, yeah, I hope Dustin Diamond doesn't come up very much. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know where we were going with the uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, because he's in Police Academy. He is in Police Academy. I have uh, seen, I've run into Dustin Diamond. I had a celebrity sighting of Dustin Diamond once in New York. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, outside of the Guggenheim. We went to dinner at a sort of fancy restaurant. And he was in the fancy, it was a Persian restaurant. And he walked out um, with his hand in a girl's pants, literally. It was like a fancy restaurant. Like from behind, I hope? Yeah, from behind. Okay. Well, you know. Uh, and she was wearing like, some some jogging pants that had a word on the ass, probably pink. I'm not sure. And uh, everyone it's, it said insert here. <laughs> yeah, and everyone in the restaurant was like classy. classy. But I think most people did not know who Dustin Diamond was. But yeah, it was yeah, it's, it's Manhattan. It's a tough crowd. Well, and they I don't own televisions. There. It was like kind of rich people. I, yeah. We were definitely the youngest people by like 15 years. So yeah. So I mean, well, and and the creepy old guys who used to watch Saved by the Bell um, weren't going to admit that they knew who Dustin Diamond yeah. was. So they, he's not Screech is probably not their favorite character. But I would say that uh, Bobcat was yes. one of the reasons to watch the, at least uh, the Police Academy two and three because he's not in Police Academy one, which is the lesser of the films. Number two is the best. Um, it's also two is the best because that's when they introduce Booger. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. It's Booger and Bobcat really brought something to the series that was missing uh, up to then. You know, they really completed that ensemble. I felt it was a real rehash of his Revenge of the Nerds character. <laughs> it, it is, sure. <laughs> Just like Bobcat is the rehash of every Bobcat character. Although my favorite Bobcat movie is Burglar with Whoopi Goldberg. I haven't seen that. Uh, it's worth it's worth the viewing. It's it. I mean, like all of the the Whoopi Goldberg uh, mid eighties movies. It's not a particularly good film, but the few throwaway lines that Bobcat gets in are priceless. They're all really good. Uh, with G W Bailey, another great uh, who's also in uh, who's also in the Police Academy movies. 
He was the uh, the sergeant. Oh, right. Yeah, you're right. That's right. And he, he uh, is also in Burglar. So uh, I guess Bobcat and he uh, moved over. I would love to ask uh, Bobcat more about the Burglar movie, uh, working with Whoopi Goldberg. Burglar is definitely better than Jumpin' Jack Flash. Yeah. You should have got in on that Reddit then. You know, but you're competing with all the nerds. That's I don't true. got time for that nonsense. Yeah. I competed with the nerds enough. I don't I don't need any more nerd competition. That's true. Uh, we just get our own podcast, damn it. We own this shit. <laughs> we own it. So what are we talking about today? Uh, what than... the fuck are we talking about today? Um, well, you know, in casting about for ideas, uh, I think uh, we haven't really done justice to the fact that you are um, the preeminent authority on Juggalos. And that is not necessarily the topic for today, but I think our listeners, uh, some of who may be less familiar with with your work, uh, should know that you are one of the preeminent juggalo researchers in in North America, if not the world. There's a lot of competition. Is there really? No, there isn't. Oh, That's okay. Why I'm... Well, nevertheless, uh, you know, maybe maybe there will be competition now, right? I mean, you'll have started a new genre, a new subgenre of amateur anthropology. I'm told there's a 33 and a third coming out, so. Oh, on, one of the little books. Yeah, on on, on yes, one of the on, albums. On one of the albums. Which one? What, I'm what's not their sure. epic I would guess, album? Well, oh, uh, I would guess it's probably on an earlier album, but it's. I'm I'm told it's not actually about them. It's you know a lot of thirty three and a thirds are actually about the author and their author's experience, and that sort of frustrates me sometimes about thirty three. Yeah, the, television. The one about television's Marquee Moon yeah. is definitely a bit more of that uh, sort of personal participant. Although I think it's actually good. It's depends it depends if you like the person it's great yeah if you right don't, it sucks and it, mm-hmm. and some of them like the velvet underground one is amazing and it's i've read that one totally about i mean it's way over my head it's like super about musical quality and like different technical musical things that i was like okay, oh, okay. half of this i'm not getting but it's amazing well music theory and stuff yeah a lot of music theory um so that was the first one i read so after that i think i've kind of been let down yeah i've read the television marquee moon and slayer uh rain and blood which is all right. It was decent. The Morrissey one is also very personal, but that makes sense to me. Or I guess it's the Smith. Yeah, one. I don't want to read about Morrissey. It's no, it's not about Morrissey. It's about someone's personal relationships and how Morrissey influenced them. Oh, yeah, I'm not sure. There was a guy in college in Contrary Station who, who was Morrissey. <laughs> and we'd always did strangers try and hug him a lot. No, but he, he adopted the kind of look. I mean, this is this is you know 1992, 1991. Oh, he was like a greaser type. No, but not like the sensitive, you know, you know, I'm only human, born to be loved kind of thing. Um, and I need love just like everyone else. And I'm, a, you know, we're all like, are you a virgin? <laughs> Do you actually want to have sex? And with who? Um, yeah, I wasn't it wasn't so getting him the ladies. Yeah, because I think they're all sort of like, well, no one was, they weren't really sure that he wanted them. You know, just like Morrissey. I don't, I think that is what, I think ladies like that in college. Yeah, I guess maybe, but I'm not sure he could have ever sealed the deal. It had to been, it would have had to been a really aggressive lady. And maybe, there, maybe there were some, maybe not Trenton State, but uh, maybe, yeah. maybe somewhere else. I, I don't, I don't really know. But uh, back to the Juggalo thing. Right. But first of all, I wanted you know people to know that you've you've done quite a bit of study of the, of the insane clown posse. I have. And Juggalos are their community of fans. Uh, that they have built up over the years as they've uh, found their brief uh, period of, of mainstream success and were able to splinter off into their own uh, own kind of universe, uh, owning their own deal, their own record company yep. at this point, throwing their own big gathering 
in uh, southern Illinois, Caven Rock. Is that Cave right? Caven Rock. Caven yes. Rock, Illinois. Uh, and, and inviting all sorts of uh, rappers and, and comedians. And, and didn't they once have Gallagher? Did they Gall- did have Gallagher. Yeah. And but, they have lots of comedians. Those vote in their favor, by the way, having Gallagher. Yeah. Maybe. I'm not I, sure. <laughs> I mean, there's an audience, I'm sure, yeah, for Gallagher. I mean, he, he smashes. I mean, you know, I guess you squeeze him in between like Tech Nine and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think the, comedian, the comedians have their own stage. Oh, okay. I, so he's like squeezed in between. Like Brian Posehn and Tom Green. Pop, Brian Posehn did? Uh, yes. did yes. Well, I, that makes sense. I yeah. like Brian Posehn. Of Brian course, Posehn. it's the metalhead comedian. Um, and Tom Green is Tom Green, you know. Yeah. I, I, I've, I, I've enjoyed his show on occasion. I like, I like Tom Green. My favorite Tom Greens are one when he went to Japan. Mm-hmm. It's fucking hysterical. Because he's like the opposite of a Japanese person. He, and, he, and he does everything to be the opposite of a Japanese person, which in part was getting in the middle of a busy train station, laying on, <laughs> the, on the stairs and just moaning. <laughs> until, until like two Japanese like train workers wearing rubber gloves come up and try to convince him to move. And when he won't, try to pick him up and he just sort of goes limp. <laughs> And moan. But see, here's why Tom Green is a genius. Is because I can now picture Tom Green doing that. Yes, and right. It's hilarious. Well, because he's twice as tall as everybody yeah, exactly. around him. And uh, then he does the Bum Bum song. <laughs> I don't know if you know the Bum Bum song. Yeah, it's. Uh, which, which, of course, to this day. So it's a rap song, roughly. And it goes uh, Bum is on the this, Bum is on the that. And about poo, and it's childish, <laughs> and it's silly, but it's it's palm green, so it's funny. And I can't help now, whenever I'm at Ikea, or I walk by a Volvo, or when I've been by the Swedish consulate in, in, the, uh, in the D.C., bum is on the Swedish. Swedish. No one's going to get it. I'm going to have to. I will, yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. I'm going to have to, to put that in the show notes. If you have not seen the Bobo song, that's yeah, like you your need, life is really. You do really need the yeah. uh, Tom Green. So I didn't yeah. know that Tom Green had done. Uh, maybe he I did. didn't know he did. He actually does. Rock. Well, because he does. He used to do a video show from his house. Yeah, right. Yeah. And okay. so he did a video show from Gathering the Juggalo, which is also pretty interesting. Okay. So uh, as a premium authority, but by way of entering there, so you've you've studied them and you've you've now lectured. So so you really do a great service to the uh, shall we say the hip not this the hipster community but the larger hipper culture community at large by translating, you know we now know precious moments, uh, juggalos and other sorts of fringe but not uh, hip fringe culture to the other side of the fringe. Yes. So to speak. I'm willing to do a lot of research on things that no one wants to go. No one wants to interact with those people, but they would like to know what their things about. Mm-hmm. And, and and I believe you because you've been to the gathering. I believe you. I've not you, been to the gathering. I thought you went no, to the gathering. No, there's lies. I've only been to concerts. Oh, I thought you'd been to the Outdoor gathering. Outdoor events are not my bag, but I would go. Uh, but I can find no one to go with me. Yeah, I'm okay. not signing up. Podcast listeners, if you would like <laughs> a free tour of the gathering by myself, I will provide that. So I, if you drive so me there. In part, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's Juggalos, because I'm really not signing up for Bonnaroo either. Right. No, I, I hate outdoor festivals. I, I'm okay with an outdoor festival as long as I get to go home. Well, so you can you can leave and just go to There's a nearby hotel. No 
in in but fuck Illinois. Yeah, no, but there's or Kentucky or Kentucky. But there are hotels, and you know who stays at the hotels? All of the entertainers. So that's kind of awesome because like, you get to hang out with Tech Nine or something. Um, Ice Cube will be next door. Yeah, how cool would that be? That sounds like a way hanging out at the nearby hotel sounds like a way cooler event. Than but I'm so out disappointed in Ice Cube. I think that's. I mean, apparently they pay ridiculously. Of course well. they do. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, the thing. So one, it's it's. I don't really want to do like that festival. And two, you know, I, I I can try and you know you you've helped me try and find something to respect about the ICP and their fans. But yet I don't really want to hang out with like ten, fifteen thousand of them or however many. I can understand that. It'd be a bit much. Plus, I've seen photos and some of the photos they frighten me. I, understandable. You know, so. Uh, so yeah, well, I don't know why I thought you'd been to the gathering. I okay. don't know. All right, well, well, that's all right. But you've you've been to a concert and there's I've been several. Yeah, you've been doused with Fago. I have, I have, I've I've befriended some jugglos at concerts. But I one of the things that that brought me in is um, well, so this is the connection for today's show, which took us a little while to get there. Yeah, seriously. I'm being very Merlin man today. You are. I'm feeling a little ADD. Uh. Was it I? I sent you a uh, an article in Spin magazine. Sure. Where they went to Violent J's house. It was a great article. And then on the sidebar on the webs thing, it was a story. Um, Jack White kind of defends himself for uh, for producing a single with the ICP. Yes. And I'm like, well, oh, that's kind of curious. I didn't. I missed that. It happened last fall. Yes. But clearly, I'm not too plugged in. To yeah. So the background is they they produced a, a rap song based on a Mozart song. It's, right, you, yeah. the one it's it's it, it's in German. Lick my ass. Exactly. So there's like three elements of weirdness, I think, in that. <laughs> right, but if you're gonna do lick my ass, uh, which is something like you know licking my ass Osh or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty easy to figure out. Oh, it came out on Seven Inch as well. Oh, of course, on Jack White's label. Yeah, it does. I'm certain it does. Uh, it's probably at that record store. It is actually at that record store. <laughs> That's the only reason I know that they have Seven Inches. Have you bought it? No, I just walk what? by it every day. I just look at it and I'm like, I don't need that, no, but I do need that. You, if you buy it, I mean, you can maybe buy, I'll go home and buy it tonight. And, or and I'll buy, you can I will buy it from we'll you. We'll expense it. <laughs> we'll expense it to the podcast to our uh, great income. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I haven't heard. It. I'll have to go look it up on the YouTube's. It's not very good. No, I, okay, <laughs> but you should listen to it because the thing is, is that uh, Jack White gets a lot of shit. It's interesting um, because you know. The White Stripes sort of came out of this uh, garage rock kind of grease rock kind of. Um, so, so the topic being Jack White. Jack White, roughly, 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 with 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 other things, came out of the uh, the uh, the gunk the gunk punk underground, as it has been called. Um, you know, it is the garage rock scene, which was fairly big, especially in like Michigan, lower Michigan, and Ohio and the Midwest, and had bands like uh, the New Bomb Turks which was kind of a gunk punk. So, the, you know, influenced by garage rock, but sped up faster a lot of cases. And, and, and um, uh, the lead singer for the New Bomb Turks, so the band I love, by the way, uh, Eric Davidson wrote a book that came out about a year and a half ago called uh, We'll Never Learn, Tales from the Gunk Punk Underground. And it's kind, of, it's kind of, you know, about all the bands he's known, sort of semi-autobiographical about being on tour. And um, he doesn't shit on Jack White. But most of the other bands quoted shit on Jack White, basically saying, you know, that the White Stripes uh, kind of took 
influence from that whole scene, distilled it, cleaned it up, and were and turned themselves into major label stars. So like Elvis? Basically like Elvis, right? Yeah. Except except there were no color lines crossed there. Sure. And then, you know, and, and it seems like Jack White, Jack White is is one of these musicians, uh star, rock stars, so to speak, who uh periodically the, the sort of hipper contingents in 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 the music world both sort of love and then they also love to shit on him and it's by turns and you can never really predict whether he's going to be the darling of the moment or people are shitting on him for something Mm -hmm. and i find that kind of fascinating i I myself have no particular opinion of 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 the fellow um i like some white stripes music i like some dead weather i think some of it's pretty good um i'm not i'm not a huge fan i never have been but you know i find things to like about it uh, and then I'm just kind of fascinated at how polarizing he is. Yeah, I have intense opinions. You do? Okay. I do, yeah. I do. So that's why you wanted to go with it. <laughs> um, well, so I would say that the first couple albums, like I remember the first time I heard The White Stripes. I loved those two albums. I was like coding at the time. I didn't like my job and they got me through that and I loved them. Um, and I, I would say that I love country music and jack white has done a really amazing job producing loretta lynn yeah Yeah. wanda jackson and lots of old school um country stars and i mean i think those albums are great um but i think he's i think and i think i would say and i don't mean this uh sort of in passing i think he's a genius and it might be in production that he's a genius but i think he's a genius However, I think he's a terrible person. I think he's I think he's probably I think he's pretty misogynist. And okay. I think I think that uh he just has he's he's like the try hardiest try hard in tryhardia. I, I think like nothing he does is authentic. And I think he by the by the people he chooses to produce, I feel like he is uh, uh, the phrase I use would be uh authenticity vampire. And I think that's exactly what, uh, like, the folks who are from the, the the sort of garage punk underground scene from like the the early '90s would would make that same make that same critique. Right. Like, I don't have a problem that he, you know, he was in a certain group of style of music, and he sort of distilled that essence into something that was more pop influenced. And everyone liked it. Like that to me doesn't. And then a people problem. said he was kind of a dick. I mean, I think is part of his well. They feel like he 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 wasn't he 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 stole liberally, and didn't acknowledge when he did. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I don't think like having a more generic band of a genre makes you a thief. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually it makes you unsuccessful. <laughs> so I mean, I think had he been had he done that and been unsuccessful, no one would have cared, right? Like. They only care because he was successful. Now, of course, authenticity is a very problematic concept in and of itself there, Jenny. No, it's totally true. But I feel like, uh, so, I mean, just the, if you just think about how much time he spends thinking about what he wears, right? I don't know. I don't, I'm not over his house when he gets dressed. Right. But I mean, like the color schemes. The image. Well, I mean, but how is that so different from, you know, when the Beatles were in their mop top phase? How is that so different from the Temptations all wearing these beautiful white suits? I because mean, they didn't wear beautiful white suits at all times, like when they're at their house. Well, we don't know what he wears at his house no, when there aren't cameras there. But like when they take photos of him, <laughs> like there's paparazzi photos of him. He's, he he insists like, OK, so at Third Man Records, which is a record company, I, there was recently mm-hmm. an article about Third Man Records that I read. And this very much 
like my hatred of Jack White was crystallized by this article. I See, would say. you can only hate him because you once loved him. No, I, I think <laughs> I love him. I both love him and hate him at the same right, time. Right. I feel like he is a lot like other geniuses. Like, I feel like he's similar to Prince, although I don't hate Prince like in the same way. And I don't mm-hmm. think Prince is a misogynist. But like that he's obsessively doing all of these things all the time. And and some of the things, the great majority of things he does, I think, are pretty genius. Like, I think reviving these country stars, at least with the Loretta Lynn album, I think he does it in a way that, I mean, she would have never done an album like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like this great person who gets revived and in a way that they would, you know, there wouldn't ever be electronic music on a Loretta Lynn album. Um, but on the other hand, like... At Third Man Records, everyone has to wear yellow and black, and if the girls wear pants, they get fined, and if they don't wear yellow and black, they get fined, and... Uh. He has, but someone might say, instead, he has an artistic vision, and he and he is aware and understands that there's no way for him to, to be, quote-unquote, authentic, because... There's an expectation of him now, and, and uh, as as a rock star, which I think he would recognize, he would be he benefits from, and so then why not just acknowledge that? Acknowledge that you're always on. Acknowledge that whatever you touch is going to be viewed and analyzed, just in the same way as in the same way as it was, you know, if you were a Beatle, right? But only more so because it's almost impossible to hide. Uh, because of you know just the, simply the, the the communications apparatus is so omnipresent. Well, yeah. And I so mean, why not just acknowledge that you know he's taking what his existence is and he's making he's he's implementing it to his own vision. Right. Except I think he would say like in interviews the whole the like the whole part about him and Meg White being married. I think that's a key a key factor. He's just it's it's a media stunt. I mean Right, but he's like, "Oh, we said we were siblings so that people wouldn't focus on our relationship, so that they would focus on our music." And if there's anything that Jack White does not want you to focus on, it seems like his music is what it is. I mean, uh, so detournment, you know, it, it's it's uh he's just a music he's just a magician, you know. Don't, you know, here you look at this hand, don't right. look at the other hand. Right, and the why idea, is that problematic? I mean, I don't think it's problematic. I think I, I think his misogyny is problematic. Okay, so okay, so that's we, we, we should we'll, we'll, let, 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 we'll take up the misogyny in a bit. Okay, I, I don't want to I don't want to dismiss that out of hand. Right, I want to take up this other this other element because how is that different? I mean, than say the insane clown posse who certainly put a lot of attention into their <laughs> sure. image, and even you know Violent J, you know, uh, Spin is there at his house, right. and he's definitely in makeup. <laughs> right, but I mean, I think they're very like upfront about it. I don't think that he's as upfront about it i think he's like upfront about what about the whole image thing like uh i think why uh, do you have to be upfront about it why i mean why why is it you have to be what what is the obligation to be upfront and for it not to be a ruse and for it not to be you don't have to be upfront i just think it's you're a jerk if you're not really yeah i mean i think why i i think that the Jack White I- the idea is like, I'm this mastermind. I mean, I do think it's probably, I think he might be a sociopath. So I think that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I, I mean, because I, I, I think that, you know, projecting an image and maybe fucking with people, I mean, is also, I think, a legitimate artistic I, I totally agree. I don't think he thinks he's fucking with people. I think well, he's we don't know. Right. But I mean, I don't think it's not, it's different. Wearing red and white isn't fucking with people. 
Okay. Like wearing red and white is like, I have this image and it's our, you know. Sure. I think that he feels like he's crafting uh, a product. Well, he is. Yeah. No, I know he is, but I, do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's more about, sadly. But he's, but he's, I mean, he's certainly not going to cop to it. So he's not copping to it in the same way that the Spice Girls would cop to right. it or Kiss would cop he's to no it. He's no different. He's no or, different than Kiss, Or even right? Madonna. Yeah, so, exactly. so what you're telling me is it's the fact that he doesn't at least publicly cop to his image manufacturer. And not only that, is I think that he would be far more like, we're way better than Kiss. I mean, I think they are way better than Kiss. But I feel like he would be like, oh, I'm an artist. Whereas, like, Kiss would not be an artist because of their manufacturing. Which we're projecting. No one's asked him, uh, you know, what, what he thinks of Kiss. But, but I mean, this is, I mean, you know, the arguments you're making here against uh, Jack White are, are, in a lot of ways, the same arguments someone would make against even even the precious moments, you know, that that there's an artifice here and it and and it's it, it's claiming to be something. And then there's this other story. But at the same time, you know, we say, oh, well, there's this, you know, beautiful, sad story behind the precious moments figures that they're based on dead children. But he's also raking in the loot and he's got a theme park, which is really fucked up out in, in the middle of Missouri. And it seems, you know, on the one message of the raking in the loot in a theme park in Missouri with all this strange uh christian themed stuff seems to undermine the other message of uh honoring the memory of of these dead children see i don't i don't think that those are a problem i don't think that those are like uh, see i see these i see i see jack white in the same bucket i see them in the same but i bucket. see no but there's earnestness in the making of 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 precious moments and i don't feel like there's earnestness earnestness in the making of Jack White. So what is, what is, what is to beg the question? What is the importance of being earnest? (laughs) Um, by the way, one of my, one of my very favorite, favorite dramas in the, uh, plays in the English language. Um, I think the problem for me is that he's using people who are super earnest. So, so who are these people? Like, like like Wanda Jackson and Loretta Lynn. Is it not possible that they know what they're getting into when they're, and they're reaping benefit? that's, That's part of it is that like, when they talk to those people, they're always like, oh, Jack's the greatest. Eee. Like, like they think he's the greatest guy ever. Well, and so, I, I just mean, really hate Jack White, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, but this is why we're talking no, about it. I know, it. I know. And I just really hate him. Like, that's why I'm pushing point. you on it. And, no, I understand. And, I just... and, and, you know, I think that hating him or, or, or liking him either way, right? I mean, at some point when it comes to anybody, whether it's someone that who is in the room with you, someone who you know personally, or someone who's a celebrity, I mean, sometimes it's visceral, right? There, there are just aspects of somebody that, that, that you, you, you know, and, and, and I'm not even, I'm not even going to sit here and say, oh, I think Jack, I told you I was sort of indifferent to Jack White. Right, exactly. I was more fascinated by people's violent reactions to exactly. him. Exactly. Then I am. Uh, do I but have I a particular love feeling Jack about it? Right, you like his work in particular. Yeah, and I think I like his vision. You know, <laughs> I mean, I saw him on American Pickers. Yeah, right. He was on American Pickers, which is also like an authentic, uh, authentic vampire show, like where they steal like <laughs> poor old people shit. See, I again, I don't. <laughs> so for anyone who hasn't seen American Pickers, it's on the History Channel. With a very ostensibly host. They buy, uh, well, yeah, co-host. Yes, right there. Uh, the guys are kind of ugly. No, I, well, she's, she, yeah, the co-host, she is attractive, but I think the one guy is attractive. The tall guy? The tall guy. Really? 
you know. I guess he's got a, I mean, he's not ugly. He's got a certain kind of quirky handsomeness, I suppose. And I mean, they're, they're sort of uh, Laurel and Hardy, um, uh, the two guys uh, from Iowa who go drive around and buy people shit for their restoration business. And, and, and then the they bu- have the, uh, the, the roller girl, uh, roller derby kind of punk girl who uh, yeah. hangs out in the shop. What's her name? I forget. I, I don't know. remember. But, uh, I mean, it's less that they buy people shit, which is my issue, is that they, like, drive around poor areas looking for someone who's a hoarder. (laughs) (laughs) It's a reading I hadn't quite pulled out of it. Because the way I often look at it, because when I'm watching it, I'm often like... Just sell this. Just sell the fucking stuff, guy. What the hell are you doing with it? That's the way well, I feel. Because that about person it. has a disorder that <laughs> makes them a horde. You know, but see, I, I'm going to challenge this notion of hoarding. <laughs> I am. I'm going to challenge it because what is the difference between a collector and a hoarder? What is that line? And to me, the only line it becomes shitty dis- things. No, it becomes the line. It only becomes disordered. When you have, when you no longer have room for person. No, I think it's also if if your collection is it d- uh, makes is so much and is so not uh, organized that you're destroying the historical things you're collecting. That seems like that's a problem. Well, you're not destroying them unless you're unless you're just not simply tending to them. But in fact, I mean, but so much I think of of uh, uh, sort of. Uh, the archives of, of, of American artifacture. That's not a right word. Is it doesn't really exist of American artifacts. We're, we wouldn't have it if it weren't for hoarders because, because the fucking neat freak would have just thrown it away. Or it could be in a museum. No, but more likely. Oh, right. Like I understand what you're more saying. More likely it would have just been tossed. I mean, in fact, the, the reason why there's probably any decent archive of ephemera to begin with is because of fucking hoarders. I don't have a problem with the hoarder. I have a problem with the American picker. Well, so what's the problem, <laughs> though? I see it as a very, very synergistic relationship. Here you have a hoarder. Who, because right. I think the American picker is trading on the ability of getting this person on TV to give them sort of a shoddy deal. Because on the show, they're always like... Well, I'll break the ice with something shitty. They buy like so the the MO is they try and buy an awesome thing and it's usually like a super awesome thing. It's like some car mm-hmm. or something a pinball machine yeah, it's something or great. Uh, something. And it's, but it's usually something that needs work. Sure, but it's worth like $5,000 say. This is not always, but this is this no. is the ones I have and, a problem with. And they, they they pay they pay base but they you know, they don't I mean for a dealer kind of situation, they're usually paying on the order of 50%. And actually, fifty percent in any kind of resale deal is a good deal yeah. because they're taking all the risk. They got to fix it up. They got to get it. So actually, I never seen anyone get taken. I wouldn't have a problem if they were, if those people had called. So, so sometimes on the show, someone mm-hmm. calls him and is like, "I got all this stuff. I need yeah. to sell. That's fine." My issue is when he goes to like poor people's houses and sort of like. <laughs> well, you them. go looking for a barn full of shit. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like in like. Basically bullies them into selling him. I don't something. know that they get bullied into selling. Right. I don't know. I'm not so. Uh, I'm not so convinced of this narrative yet. Because <laughs> I, I see them as like here. I mean, the, the guy walks in and now we, you know, they get fifteen hundred bucks. If to, there wasn't a camera there, do you think those people would do that? Sell those things? I'm sure. I'm sure they would because this guy had a business before he had uh, had the show. So the American Pickers guys, um, the tall guy, whatever his name is, um, he shot the pilot. So, so it's, so that was his business. And after seeing, um, like uh, antiques roadshow and shows like that, he became absolutely convinced that what he did for a living would be interesting to him and that he and Frank 
would be interesting. So he went out and he contracted and he shot his own pilot and shopped it around. So he was in the business. Like all those people were not hired. That that was actually his business, but it's not a matter of a producer coming to him. He, he, he was savvy enough to see that. I think thinking about it, the issue I also have is a lot of times what they do, because a big part of their business is signs. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess this is a twofold issue. One, the sign thing, they look for signs that are messed up. So that they can sell them to like Chili's, so that Chili's can have signs that <laughs> we look don't old. Know that. No, they know. They talk about oh, it in the they show. Really? They really well, do. Okay, really so do. fine. Um, and so that's sort of again that like manufactured. <laughs> oh, this is so oh, old. <laughs> authenticity, authenticity, Jenny. I know it's a problem. For me. It's a very problematic concept. And the other issue for me is that it's like buying, uh, like sort of driving up the prices for things that. Uh, like uh, the idea, I mean, I think this happens. Like if you see, uh, taxidermy, if you go to San Francisco and try and buy taxidermy, <laughs> it's, what like, I do. it's like a hundred billion dollars. <laughs> well, if I'm going to buy taxidermy, I'm going to go to like fucking Calgary. No, or clearly. I'm going to go to like Beaver Dam. But that's the thing is like there, it's like a hip eccentricity. Sure. So I think that's sort of what he's doing too. He bought, he goes to like the middle of nowhere and buys like an old gas pump and then, Marks it up 400%. He doesn't mark else. it up 400%, but he has to clean it up and he takes, I mean, you take a, and someone in that situation, it's, it, you take a risk. It's the same thing like you go to the used bookstore and you want to sell back your book and you get a quarter of cover price, right? Because they're only going to sell for half cover price. I mean, this is the way these things work. Yeah, but it's not just, it's not like going to the bookstore because that's in the same place where he he's taking it to a different market where... No, I mean, I understand. Somebody, I just I think mean, it's like, I, it's, it's, I feel bad for the people he buys that I don't from. feel bad at all. I, I feel, feel like totally they're making bad. that with thousands of dollars they didn't have before. T- and that's the worst part is that they're happy about it. Well, because they didn't have the, I mean, it's too bad that they don't know. I feel bad for them. It's too bad that they don't know they can go spend, go right. make this money. But I mean, all of capitalism, and I'm willing to throw out capital. I'm willing to flush capitalism on down the toilet. All of capitalism is about manipulating markets. Well, it's and all about finding or creating value or transferring value. Yeah, but he makes the antiques market more rapey, and I don't like it. I, don't, I think the antiques market was always rapey. I know, but I think he makes it. It's like it's a show based on the entertainment of how rural oh, people getting raped is fun. I, it's not always rural people. <laughs> It's not always. It's not. No, sometimes. No, and I think the uh, the collectors that he buys from, that I'm fine with. Yeah. Because those people know about their collections. But I think That's of those cool. people, they, they weren't going to get the money in the first place. And all they had was this shitty stuff. Yeah, but I feel also bad for the person who pays like... A hundred percent more for that gas but, pump but, as but, well. But they didn't have to go drive through backwards I Kentucky in no, a van with Frank. Point. I understand your point. It just makes me. Yeah, seriously, I would say a lot of money. To I mean, this is what record dealers have to go through because no, so many times of fines. It's different because of the the temporal situation. No, because record dealers often uh, the guys who really who really go record, around to they go around. Yeah. They they look through the classifieds. They they follow but leads. It's of not like those guys. Those collectors. Well, I think records and books are different because usually people who are buy, selling those books know what they are no no so many of like the reason like so many old dusty uh, blues and soul sides have ever been re-released is because some guy went down to the goddamn delta and literally went house to house and said you got any records <laughs> do you have any 78 but re-releasing things i think is different than buying it for a dollar and selling it for five dollars somewhere else but that's what often happens even so sure Sure. That's what he, and, and, and that record might have been lost forever, 
and been you know thrown away and when someone I just don't died. want to see it i just don't want to see it that's i have a problem with seeing it I, and you don't have to see it i don't well don't but i do like I, th- I do think two-thirds of the staff of that show are attractive so it's kind of a hard <laughs> a hard bargain and i like old shit so uh i watch oh, it it's great when he gets sweaty come on oh. <laughs> yeah frank is the creepiest that's also frank is super creepy and I like that he's the only person on this show we can remember the name of. <laughs> it's because they're always making fun of him. Uh, that's why. Drop that shit, Jack. Hey there. Welcome to the halfway point of our podcast. Jenny and Paul sell out. You're in the middle of episode number five. And we're having quite the animated conversation about Jack White and the American Pickers. And I just wanted to remind you that, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, over at Stitcher Radio, or over at Dar FM, which is the uh, digital audio recorder, .fm, where apparently we currently rank as number five. They're number five podcasts in the arts and culture category. So, hey, go subscribe there and uh, and pump us up in the ratings there. And, and be sure to also... You know, give us a rating, give us a review at, at iTunes or over at Stitcher. Or leave some comments on our website. We do want to know what you think about the podcast. Are there things that you want us to cover? Or do you just want to tell us how wrong we are? Uh, go over to the website, selloutpodcast.com. And now, oh, let's let's dig a deeper hole with authenticity. Oh, so uh, wow! We've uh, we, we've we 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 skimmed a lot of cream off of that off of that particular float. Yeah, seriously, I tell you. But uh, yeah, it, authenticity is is one of these notions that I'm uh, I, I because of the fact that that any critique of sort of uh, of the the contemporary culture, right, and the way in which it, it pulls from the past, often the critique hinges on on authenticity, right. And whether it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, music or it's other forms of art. And I, and I think it's such authentic authenticity when it comes to culture is such a razor thin concept that it, it's almost a non-concept. Um, cause it's always referential and it's referent is constantly shifting, right? It's constantly in motion of what authenticity actually means. Um, unless you're talking about, um, a known referent. Like if you say, well, that's an authentic referent Rembrandt and that Rembrandt actually painted it. Sure. We can talk in that terms, right. but to say that, that someone is trafficking in authenticity, uh, because Loretta Lynn may not have been considered authentic, uh, you know, in, in, in 1958. I think Loretta Lynn was very authentic in 1958, but yet not. I mean, that, that's a, that's a certain narrative. Just, just putting it, you know, yes, sure, to call my daughter. I've seen the movie. Yeah, sure, right. <laughs> but, but yeah, that kind of authenticity was not necessarily what people were going for then, right? I mean, it would have been, well, she's all she she's poor coal trash, right? Right, which was not what people were necessarily looking yeah, for. Yeah, you want to hide that you're poor coal trash, right? I mean, and that's also so it's authentic now, and that's exactly like the whole idea that he's like. I moved to Nashville and mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's in that Nashville scene now. I feel like that it's just so, it, it, I think everything he does is and such yet, a. And yet now rock stars are moving to Nashville. He's not I know, alone. I love Nashville. But, uh, uh, but everything he does is such a calculated, like, uh, 
everything he does seems so calculated to only make people be like, I wonder why Jack White did that. Jack White's so, he's so brilliant. interesting. So what, what it is he's doing, he's very good at. I'm not saying he's not brilliant. So, so now I, I want to follow up, though, with the with the misogyny accusation. Sure. Uh, and again, I, I come at this uh, not arguing because I, I honestly don't don't know what, what adds up to making a misogynist. So I'm, I'm naive to this point. Well, I think, I, I mean, I was listening to DeStyle. If that's, I don't know, is that how you pronounce it? DeStyle. Um, today. And, I mean, the first three songs are all, like, about... Like, shut up, woman. But anyway, which I hadn't noticed, but I was listening yeah, to I it. Don't hear, do you know I don't hear lyrics? It, well, okay. I only listen to lyrics, probably. Yeah, so. it, like, literally. And it's not, It's this is not a choice. Um, in the same way, if you've ever noticed, like, sometimes in bars, I kind of look like I don't normally know what everyone's saying because <laughs> it's really loud. Because I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I don't. For whatever reason, I have a very hard time picking out voices in din. And so, um, singers in music unless they really articulate well, are just blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I'm the guy who hears it. There's a bathroom on the right. I'm that guy. So, yeah. I mean, he has a song called You're Pretty Good Looking for a Girl. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But so that, I mean, that's a very basic uh, thing. But uh, the thing that really got me super angry was there. So there was a New York Times article recently. Well, I think also the way he treats May or he talks treated meg yeah i don't know how did he treat uh, meg? i mean it just seemed like she was very i mean he did he basically like set up this person with anxiety to because they had to cancel a bunch of their tours because of her anxiety he set up this person with anxiety who had never played a musical instrument to be like the focal musical instrument in a very popular band how did now how did they come together they were married oh they were really married yeah they were really oh, married okay. so he took her name okay and now he so he took her name and they got divorced and so he keeps her name and his kids have that name that's sort of weird to me too women do that all the time though keep keep the yeah name. but his kids have their her name even though he's married to some other oh woman. i don't know this yeah, yeah so yeah, he's sorry. married I, he, I really just don't know very right, much so, about him okay so jack white married uh, jack gillis married meg white uh-huh. uh they formed the white stripes um and then after the white stripes they get divorced and or at some point during the white stripes they get divorced um then he marries karen elson who's this model and he makes her become redheaded uh like he he definitely and he won't let her wear certain colors like i mean that sort of stuff where you're like you have to wear certain colors (laughs) as my wife is sort of i mean it's both it's like howard hughesian crazy Yeah, yeah yeah and also like misogynistic especially if your wife is in fashion that seems like that's her job right Mm. And then he he married he they had kids Scarlett and Henry I think I looked this up earlier he named his child Scarlett I mean that's painful because first of all it's part of this whole Nashville like thing and then it's also red right because he's red and white and I'm like oh come on you're screwing with the names of your children based on your like weird mythos he should have named her Apple yeah seriously but I mean it's just so it's so like. When it comes to your kids, really, you're not going to give up on the weird thing. Um, and so he got married to her uh, in some, I think, pagan ceremony. And Meg White is the was the uh, was was the like maid of honor. So they're on good terms. They're on good terms. And then um, so Scarlett and Henry, his kids with with Karen, are whites mm. like Meg. 
where the name came from, which just seems weird. I don't know. Maybe that's that's very open minded of them, but I think that's weird. No, he's clearly a weird cat. I don't I don't really uh, I don't think there's anything to argue about. But you you almost have to be a weird cat if you're going to choose to be successful in these uh, in these realms. Because uh, here's here's something I've noticed about uh, successful a lot of successful artists, and I don't want to. I don't want to generalize to the extent to say that this is these are necessary qualities or to say that um, that it is something which is pre- prevalent, but that much of what um, commercial success demands of you is a certain type of focus <laughs> and a certain type of, of, of totality, right? Really focusing on the things you want. And it's the kind of focus that I myself don't think I could ever find. Totally. I agree with that. Right. And, I, and I've known some folks who, who weren't necessarily, um, you know, star quality successful artists, but who I thought were very, very good artists. And they had that kind of focus that I, can, I personally can't find and which also made them occasionally difficult people to deal with. And not difficult like they're assholes so much as that they're flaky they're hyper-focused on something. They don't know what day or time it is. <laughs> they forget to do the basics of life in many times. But right. whatever it is they focus on, they're very good at. Sure. I, and I agree. I think that that's part and parcel with being a genius. And I think uh, that I compared him earlier to Prince, and I, I don't think that's dissimilar. I think, I mean, Prince is noted for his clothing issues, how angry he gets at certain things. And the complete control he he has over music where his music where and and his life and, and his at life this where point, he yeah. produces all this music and he doesn't uh doesn't release it and i mean i think uh you know jack white uh, i know he doesn't he doesn't think like any sort of electronic um enhancement of music is good he thinks it's cheating like he has literally called it cheating mm-hmm. and it's like because it's it's this layer on top of your music which is well so that's pure a lot of honest. musicians make that claim yeah that's fine but like <clears throat> You, there's nothing pure and honest about Jack White. So, like, that's that's fine. And I don't... I mean, that's fine to be not pure and honest. But, like, then you, you can't you can't say, like, I'm I'm so... But who is that pure and... I mean, who is that honest about, about whatever trick they're in? I think, like, the, I think the people he has chosen for... To, to produce are, are pretty honest. I mean, I think Wanda Jackson's pretty honest. Like, someone who hasn't worked in... 20 years who just did good records and is sitting around. I don't know. I know he's doing something with Beck now. Well, I mean, Beck's not exactly honest. No, I would not say that. Beck's <clears throat> I mean, Beck, but I don't think Beck is anything more than what he but, claims to be. Sure. But can I, can I read you like the thing that makes me hate Jack White more sure, than any phrase in, or sentence in the world? Um, so they're talking, it's, it's, in, this is a New York times article and they are um, at, at third man records. Uh, roaming the hallways were several young employees, all color-coordinated, like comic book henchmen. The boys wore black ties and yellow shirts. The girls wore black tights and yellow NSW dresses. They were also a statistically improbable number of redheads. While White stopped in front of one cute girl in blue jeans and vans. Can you guess which third man employee is going to be fined $50 today? He asked, smiling. Now, could that, that could just be a put-on. That could be Mad Men. Like, that's so, like... <sighs> but is it just a put-on? Is it just a put-on? Why would why would any employee choose to wear the same... No office employee in the world 
what I'm saying is maybe it's just a put on. They knew the reporter was going to be there, and they they, they it's all, a put on. They all wore those things for yeah, one I mean, day. Well, right. I mean, if the boss came in and said, "Hey, let's fuck with this guy. Let's you know this will be good for business," and and so everybody just just play along with this. It's a put on. So right, okay, fine. So then it's it's also inauthentic because he's lying. But then why is that? Uh, an image that you would want to project being a, a crazy misogynist who's overly <laughs> who's overly like obsessed because, well, with colors. I think we might uh, if everyone thought he was a crazy misogynist, he would be less popular. So clearly not everyone takes that reading and I'm not disagreeing with your right. reading. Uh, I'm just sort of saying that 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 not everybody is taking that away. I I, I, I don't. I, now, again, I've not done a deep investigation right. of Jack White in his career. I haven't heard a lot of people accuse him of being a misogynist. More so than most um, male rock stars. I mean, I, even if he is, I mean, I don't. And again, th- I'm not arguing with you. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I understand. I mean, I feel like even it, I, I, even if he is not, maybe he is not. I don't know. But why would you want to be covered in the New York Times as someone who's clearly a, a creepy misogynist? I mean, uh, because he, because you don't see it that way, which which may be a problem in and of itself. Um, you know, it's possible to do that as a put on and not also be tuned into how it looks. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, he calls all of his guitars, his, they're called Jack White's girlfriends and each that's of not them, an unusual position and for each of many them has a, a photo of like a pinup girl in the back and they each have a name. That's like Rita again, I mean, I'm not, I know, I know. I'm not saying that's him. That. I'm just saying it's so, uh, like I just could, I'm sorry. I'm really emotional about this. <laughs> I don't know why I just get a, and I didn't know this when I, I know. Yeah, you didn't at topic. all. I, I, I walked, just, I walked into it blind. I just feel like the more I learn about Jack White, the more creepy I find him. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. His brother makes geodesic domes. <laughs> That's nice. That seems nice. <laughs> in Southern Illinois? No, in Detroit. Outside uh, of Detroit. There's a lot, there's a lot of geodesic domes in uh, Southern Illinois. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I didn't know that. Maybe there's one near Cape I mean, there's Rock. like there's like three or four, like every major... Like Slate and The Atlantic have done an article about how Jack White's a, a sexist. I mean, have, not okay. That, not that I think that that's like. No, but means I mean, most that means other people that. have picked up on it. And yeah, these, no. these are publications which uh, try to uh, air a sort of mainstream feminist voice as well. In a, in a, in a, I think a, a fairly prominent way compared to a lot of other publications. Well, and I would say I don't think Jack White's ever going to be in a band where Jack White's not the controlling member. Well, of at this that point, band, yeah, I right? think that's pretty clear. But I don't think that would was ever probably true. I mean, I don't know. I, I like the White Strips being his first famous band. I, like mm-hmm. that was clearly he was clearly the. But who gets in a band with someone who can't play an instrument? That seems bizarre. Other than like half Japanese, maybe. <laughs> but they all can't play an instrument. Well, yet. I mean, Lydia Lunch couldn't play an instrument when uh, she got started. I mean, there's a lot of the no wave scene uh, the, where a good portion of the band couldn't play. An but instrument. your band is two people. Yeah. Well, you know, she did okay. She no, she did totally okay. She, <laughs> she did more than okay. I, but no, I understand that you've got a little bit of the. It's a little bit of that uh, Svengali control freak kind yeah. of thing there, like which is what makes him. I, I'm not ready to play with somebody who is who who would actually be willing to challenge me on that right. level at that point. No, I get it. I I, I get the argument, and then I, I'm I'm not disputing the uh, how it all begins to add up. Right, but I mean, I think that so when he he does a really stupid song with with icp i mean my only the only first of all it's a shitty song and he's a great musician and so the only thing i can think out of that is that's 100 percent publicity stuff that and, he, and maybe uh, maybe again what often happens to people as they get more successful is their their uh, internal editor gets poorer 
you know, so that they're, they're less, they, they, they start believing more that whatever they touch is gold and they become less able to edit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the stuff he does, he's doing now, does seem like all good stuff. And why I mean, couldn't the ICP realize it was poop? I don't think, I mean, I think that ICP is going to make money off of it no matter what. Because <laughs> they they're, don't give a shit. <laughs> well, I mean, because it's like, I, I think ICP is doing it for the same reason Jack White mm. is doing it in that case, which is, this is a hilarious publicity stunt where you know these two weird bands come together and use a mozart song i mean it's it's no lou reed and metallica it is no lou reed and metallica it's way more listenable than lou reed and metallica definitely all right i doubt that it's it's way more i am as you know i am one of the few defenders of the lulu album so bad which i do actually find listenable but i i mean i'm a metal machine music kind of guy so i'm willing to i love uh, lou reed and i think it's unlistenable but i think and I, yeah i like lou reed i don't know if i love him I think I have to like go back to it. I think you can't listen to the whole thing at once. No, I would say that's that's, in the same way that it's very difficult to listen to all of Metal Machine music at once. But but uh, putting on like a side of it, uh, I can do. Um, I mean, there's a certain monotony to it, but I I think it's a genius sort of monotony. And I don't know. I still really don't know to what extent uh, Metallica was keyed into what they were involved in. I think Lars maybe knew what he was into, Uh, but Lars is the kind of guy who's actually going to go with that. Uh, I don't know if the rest of the band really knew what they were into. I, just, I mean, I think that I feel like I started to love Metallica and Lou Reed at around the same time. So the fact that they're both crushing my childhood at the same time is probably a big part of why I came. Well, me too. I mean, I started yeah, probably in in sort of middle teenage years. Uh, right. I got into both, and uh, no, I I mean I I think it's brilliant because it's I mean I mean Lou's just a crotchy old fuck. All right. And and that is who he is. And he is not going to pretend to be anything else. And he's going to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. And and and, you know, I'm not going to try and say that's artistic integrity. I'm just going to say that is who he is, is what he does. And he doesn't care whether you like it or not. Um, And and that's it. it, You know, there's a certain it's got to be more listenable than Laurie Anderson. Oh, snap. I'm not a Laurie Anderson fan. either. either. Um, I think, but I don't have much of an opinion of her if that's possible. But John Cale's doing good stuff with other people, so that doesn't matter. I guess he's he's like LCD Sound System. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like LCD. And I would see that John Cale originally was the more unlistenable. Hmm. Although I love John Cale. I I mean Lou. I mean he just he goes off whatever direction, and and sometimes he reaches a point and it gets good, and sometimes he reaches a point and it gets bad. But I don't think that Lulu is bad. It is exactly kind of what you'd expect when you put Metallica in a room with Lou Reed. There's nothing about that that's unexpected. Yeah, no, there is something that's unexpected. They could have done that and made an L, a record that went together. Whereas I feel like that record is like two different records being played at the same time. I, I there are aspects of it. I don't think all of it is that way. I would be a much better record if if uh James Hetfield didn't sing. Like yeah. if there were no James Hetfield singing on it, it would be a better record. I do think that that exemplifies where they didn't quite mesh because uh, the, their the vocal parts don't don't mesh at all. Yeah. And, and Lou's just Lou, so you know he's looing it up he's just gonna he's just gonna loo it up hey he's 72 years old or something i mean this is well not... why is lou reed still doing albums <laughs> well question. i mean and that, that's a good question i mean i mean i think it's a reasonable question i mean because he because he wants to i mean that's why he's still doing albums and, and a record company was willing to to, to get the money think, to do like, this hooked that up do you think lou reed was like do you think lou reed know, knew who metallica was yeah so they met at the um, rock and roll hall of fame concert right but do you think he knew before that do you think oh yeah i'm that? sure he's plugged in i mean i don't know don't know that he knew who who they were 
or past a certain point. I think, but there's no way he couldn't. I mean, he he's that aware, I think, of of popular music. And he's always, I mean, Lou, again, you know, while some people will look up to him as this great icon of authenticity. Fucking I mean, jerk. No, not only, well, he's a jerk, <laughs> but that's a whole, you can be a jerk and still be authentic. It's true, it's true. But I mean, but he, he was hawking Levi's 501 jeans in the 80s, he was hawking Honda scooters in the 80s. I mean, the man knows knows where his bread is buttered. and He likes a fancy restaurant. And he is glad to get his bread buttered at a fancy restaurant. Yeah. No, I mean, I know people who work in fancy restaurants. And he's, oh, yeah. A frequenter of them. Sure. And he is always a poor tipper. Really? That's too bad. And kind of a jerk to the waiter. Well, I mean, I think he's kind of a jerk in general. Sure. I don't think he's got much patience for anything or anyone now. Mm, yeah. Why? I mean, it's not like there's nothing. What's 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 troubling the yeah, You know, this is that, and that, that's a whole that's a whole subject for a whole other podcast, right? But I think it is the point is that it shows the extent to which happiness. And being a jerk or not being a jerk are are not exogenous. They, they, it is not due to external factors. It's and so it's 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 why you can go. Well, that guy has got you know he's artistically successful. He's got tons of money. Why is he why is he so angry? Why is he so upset? It's the Phil Collins thing, right? If by any any sort of like certain objective measures you're like the man never has to work a day in his life because he's got royalties coming out the ass he's got successful disney soundtracks was in one of the most uh successful prog rock bands in the world during the height of their success you know gets name checked in in you know in in the fucking hangover And, and it wasn't ironic and he's a sad sack and he's upset about how people view him clearly happiness is not linked to some supposed success nor uh external factors sure nor nor wearing a certain color every day of your life (laughs) well maybe maybe it is for jack white it is it is tied to the color scheme well so the third man color scheme is based on his upholstery business's color scheme i didn't know he had an upholstery yeah so before he was in before he was a professional musician he was an upholsterer okay and he would uh everything was yellow and black and it was called third man upholstery you you know you know you know who he needs to hook up with and produce striper (laughs) white striper perhaps (laughs) no they were the yellow and black attack yeah i know but there's but they could be white striper they could get together like a super a super group oh yes <laughs> Gotta get them on the phone. That's well. First of all, we're, <laughs> trademarking. Yeah. Well, after this, I'm gonna get on the Photoshop. Is what I'm gonna get on. <laughs> white striper. I would listen to white striper. But I. So there's this like romantic story about Soldiers how under God's command. Even though Jack White is an amazing upholsterer, uh, he would never. He never really broke even because he would waste his money and he would. Uh, he got chastised by people because he would write poetry and put it inside of the upholstery. <laughs> and my friend, when I read that, I was like, "Well, but how would anyone know that?" Yeah, because who? What? How do you know that? Because your thing's upholstered. It should last <laughs> so like twenty it's on years the inside. now. Yeah, at least yeah. twenty years. Yeah. So uh, I think that's I think that's some BS. Like, writing <laughs> you really? You think, yeah. you think? I think maybe someone ginned up that story. <laughs> I think that's total story. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I just think. Uh, I just think he's such a tryhard. That's I think that's my issue, is that like he's he's trying so hard to project this image, and he's a musical genius, so he could just do his musical genius thing, and like we wouldn't need this. Like no one's buying a white stripes album because it's red and white and black. Uh, well, no I'm one not, cares. Well, well, 
I mean, they're, but I think many people are buying a White Stripes album because of the notoriety he's managed to get and the reputation he's he's brought to the band and to the music. So they're drawn to check it out and sort of, I mean, image, I mean, come on, image and, 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 and popular music have always been pretty well intertwined. And, you know, things like graphic design and having some kind of uh, consistency, uh, whether it's Devo uh, yeah, or, sure. or whatever. I mean, that's always been sort of important. I mean, and people don't buy albums the same way they did, you know, 20 years ago because they're not, by and large, going to stores and flipping through things and picking something up because of the way it looks. But I do think that the the, the portrayal and the image and, and putting it all together is certainly a sales tool nevertheless. But there's, I mean, I think there's a difference between having an image and having, you know, you have to have a photo for your band. And Usually posed against a brick wall. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. Or a McDonald's if you're the White Stripes because they have, like, red and white and yellow. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I think there's a difference between creating an image and forcing your loved ones to wear a certain color. <laughs> if indeed that's not a story. If indeed that's actually true. That, well, that's and, and to dye their hair. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. I think it's. I mean, you know, as a metal fan, I mean, metal metal bands, especially ones on the more extreme end of the spectrum, black metal bands, love to give, give journalists all sorts of juicy, fucked up stories about what they do. Um, you know, such as uh, Glenn Benton, who is the uh, oh, singer of a- Deicide, saying that you know he's going to burn a cross into his kid's head. You know, the press says shit up. But this is coming from Jack White. Like Jack oh. White isn't saying like I make Karen wear these colors. Like. The fact, like the fact, is after marrying him, she only goes out in certain colors, and she dyes her hair red. Like that's, and then he names his child Scarlet. Like that's <laughs> kind of unavoidable. Avoidable. They're all in on a joke. Yeah, that's creepy though. You're, you're, it's a joke <laughs> about your child's life. That's creepy. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know much about child rearing. I don't yeah, I don't myself, either. But that but seems like you're setting your child up for some kind of weird. And I'm not. Def- I'm not here to defend uh, Jack White. I'm just here to to plumb some of these depths and and, and right. to distinguish between uh, uh, you know matters of, of of mere aesthetic and matters of, of principle. Oh, and, and then his other kid is Henry, and they call him Hank because of this pseudo Southern thing that they now have. Because. <laughs> Yeah, my, uh, my my cousin's kid is named Hank. No, but I mean that's what he admits. He's like, that's why we call him Hank. You know, he's like, it's after musical. He's named after, you know. But people Hank name Williams. their kids after uh, that kind of stuff all the sure, time. Sure, but if he named his kid after someone in the MC5, I would be have no problem with that. Oh, you're he's, saying because he's, he's from, from Detroit, from Nashville? Well, like Nashville. he's not Hank the Third. If Hank the Third names his child Hank. Fine by me. Well, but, but you know, I, I'm from New Jersey. I moved to Chicago, and what if all of a sudden, you know, I, I, I want to name my kid... Uh, Richard Daly? Uh, yeah, Richard. I wanna, <laughs> Elwood. What Jordan. if I want to name my kid Elwood? <laughs> Jordan? Michael Jordan? Yeah, exactly. Addison, and, and, perhaps? And name, yes, in, in, in honor of my adopted city. I think that you're lame, but I don't think... <laughs> I think... It's just so calculated. That's what's, it's so exhaustingly calculated. Uh, you know, just be good at your and music. And it works. And it works. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> why not just be good at the music? But He's is a it full doesn't work? artistic vision. But I don't know if it works because I feel like it would be equal. It would equally work if he didn't do all that stuff. I think that's why it's so. Painful. Uh, you know, and and I, and I don't, I don't know. But I mean. The ability to sort of control such an image, especially especially in that area of music, right, and sort of this garage 
rock revival kind of kind of area. Um, that's not otherwise, I think, a type of music that was that is going to have a lot of mainstream longevity. And I say that because it seems to be something which tr- with with trends comes and goes in terms of longstanding popularity. And so to be able to maintain it in sort of the mainstream spotlight when when otherwise what he does isn't terrifically slick, even like, say, compared to like, say, the Foo Fighters or some other modern rock band, who, which has maintained lots of mainstream uh, success. It's it's relatively rough around the edges. It's relatively obscure, comparatively speaking. You know, it's in the same way that Strokes really have only haven't been able to pull off a long, long standing career working ostensibly in the same kind of subgenre. So I think, yeah, the whole image thing is what keeps him in the press and keeps people wondering about what he's going to do next. And, and yeah, I, well, I, I think that I that's think what uses, does fuel it. Well, I do think he uses <clears throat> like who he dates to get attention as well. I mean, he dated Renee Zellweger for a brief period yeah, of time. I think, I think the whole thing is, I mean, I agree. I think it's all, all orchestrated. Absolutely. In order to, uh, to fuel his many endeavors and to give him the ability to do that. But most people aren't going to read an article about, I mean, like yourself, aren't going to read an article about, what happens at Third Man Records and their uniforms? Well, someone does. I mean, it's Myself, in the New York Times. Myself, I hate him. Um, <laughs> it's in the New York Times. I mean, you know, it's not a that's not a fringe publication there. No, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that like that's not that's not the main reason people are buying Jack White records. No, but no, I don't think it's the main reason, but I think it's the reason why they may hear about a Jack White record when they may not otherwise have heard about it. When there's some other artist of equal talent or something who doesn't, I mean, because so much of it, it's not a matter, it's not a matter of the music simply being good. We know this about, right. about the world. It's a matter of people having access to it and knowing about it. And so, yes, is it if someone who who is uh, susceptible to liking the white, the white stripes or a Jack White product, then sees them in the New York Times, that's an accessibility that that some other artist doesn't have. And especially they'll be looking at it online and they're going to give you links to go listen to an MP3 somewhere. Right. right? And so, I yeah, th- absolutely. It's moving people to buy. Something. And I do think a lot of that manufacturing is to keep them weird in a time when they're so incredibly mainstream he doesn't seem to be having a good time he seems to be like thinking so trying so hard thinking so hard about everything i'm thinking really hard right now yeah Maybe yeah we're thinking really hard about about our podcast here it's true we're, it's ju- true. we're gonna find some other topics that are, we'll see if people get pissed off about this one am i going we haven't, to- we haven't had a good 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 argument I'm so yet angry. so I'm, yeah. I'm glad um am, am i going to be fine for not wearing the uniform to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> well you until you mentioned it, yes. <laughs> now it's okay because now. No, no, no. It's not okay it's now. It's not okay. As as you didn't, it's now that everyone knows. It's not okay. You see. I see. I when, understand. When, when the when the press shows up, we need a color scheme. We need a branding color scheme, a la Jack White. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, I wear black and red mainly too. So I, I think that's that's the other part. I love his color scheme. <laughs> He picked, he chose good colors. Oh, Jack White. I know, I know. Everything you touch turns to gold. It's true. Well, I mean, he's very good at what he does. Mm. All right, I think we have, uh, I think we've uh, taken the, uh, taken all the steam out of Jack White that we can for today. Thank you, Jack White. (laughs) Yes, we'll end tonight by saying, 
Thank you, Jack White. Thank you, Jack White.